How many of you stayed up and watched the game last night? Okay, well, good for you. This is, uh, this is my EpiPen, and the, the reason I have one of the actually I have one here, I have one in my backpack, I have one in the car, I have one at home and everywhere, is because I'm allergic to wasps and bees, jellyfish, and anything like that. So I keep one kind of handy. It's only been a couple of times in my life that I've even needed one, but sometimes, most, sometimes I get stung, nothing happens. You know, I'm okay. But every now and then, I have a reaction. So it's kind of a good thing to have around. One afternoon, I was um, studying, you know, I was kind of preparing for another series and working on that. And it was one of those days that everything is good. Not like today where it's kind of chilly, but just beautiful day. Um, enjoying the time, uh, everything's going well, except for the fact that there was a wasp in my office. And it was one of those things where you're, you're trying to work and, and you can't get to it, and I thought I could just go around the room and start swatting at it or, you know, figuring out what to do, but I'll kind of wait till he settles down. But then he would just disappear. You know that feeling? We think, I know he's in here. Is he on me? Is he over there? You know, and I couldn't figure out where is he and what's he doing. And then he would buzz around a little while and think, okay, now I got you in my sight. And then he would disappear again. So everything was okay. But this one little thing about that big was so distracting that it was just really hard to focus on everything else. And everything else was great. My health was fine. Uh, the weather's good, the, everything's working, you know, it's that kind of thing, but this one distraction. That's kind of probably a little bit of a <laughs> lame illustration to kind of open this up, but I think some of us live like that in situations that are more serious in, in a lot of ways. We all know what it's like to think, boy, life would be so good, except... There's this one thing you know, that I can't get out of the way. There's this one thing that seems to be right there, this obstacle between me and peace or contentment or fulfillment or you know, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. And maybe your obstacle is your health. Uh, maybe it's a financial crisis and you're thinking everything else is so good. If I could just get over this hump and just get past that. Maybe it's uh, just a really, really bad habit that you can't seem to defeat. Maybe it's a relationship that's in a rocky place and a tough spot. And you think, oh, if we could just work through a couple of issues, then everything else would be okay. Maybe it's your weight. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's your car's broken down. I don't, I don't know. But there's sometimes just a number of things that can grow up and become this gigantic barrier between you and the life that you want to live, the life you know you could live, that's just on the other side of that. And a lot of us could probably say that this has happened for us in our spiritual life. And when I say that, I don't mean to separate it. You know, like uh, there's your school life and your home life, and then your, like your spiritual life is detached over here somewhere, like that's another part of you. I think that should permeate and just be who you are. Uh, all of the time, but I kind of understand, uh, and I hope you do too, that, you know, like when you're sincere 
and your desire to follow Jesus, and you really want to know him, you want to love him, you want to take him with you everywhere you go, but maybe there's this one sin or this habit or, or this obstacle that just kind of knocks you off your feet. Maybe there's just one, this one area that you struggle with and it keeps coming back and you, you feel like you can't escape it. What, what is that for you? Maybe it's your temper or, or your, the, your tongue, just the way you talk and you say things and you think, ah, I wish I hadn't said that. Or maybe it's lust. Maybe it's pride. It could be a number of things. But what happens is over time, it creates this concrete barrier between you and holiness, between you and what Scripture calls an abundant life. And sometimes you get to a place where you think, well, you know what, that's just me, that's just where I am, that's just who I am, I'm never going to be able to get past that, I'm never, I've prayed about it, and I tried this, and I've, I've asked the Lord for a miracle. I don't want you to give up on it yet. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at a guy. There's a man who was in this situation where he had this one big barrier. He was wealthy. He was successful. He was powerful. He was very influential. His life is just like a movie, except for this one thing. There was one thing that stood between him and, and having his story be something amazing and something beautiful. But we're going to see today how he broke through that barrier. And I hope it's going to give us a pattern, kind of give you a blueprint for how that could happen for you, how that might happen. Because in this process, he learns a lot about himself. He learns a lot about God. And as we see when we're going to read uh, in this story, he breaks through. Uh, this barrier and he has this this victory this really unique time this moment in his life that he goes through this process uh, and God does something uh, outside of what he was thinking and maybe even what he was hoping it's the story of a man named uh, Naaman and it's found in 2nd uh, Kings chapter 5 and I just want to read you the first verse of that chapter Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. There it is. That was the one big thing. As big things go, uh, especially in that day and that age, uh, it's about as big as you could get. He had leprosy. And leprosy is just a highly contagious skin disease. And when you've got leprosy, you're at risk of spreading that to other people. So you have to stay away from people. They tried to quarantine people in society and culture as best they could. Uh, you can't hug your children. Uh, you can't kiss your wife. Uh, you can't even shake hands with your friends. You are isolated. And I think that was the, the, the most terrible part about that disease is that you're just separated. You're pulled back, and it's like you're in this prison in public uh, when you have this. 
Verse 1 says, Naaman was a mighty warrior. He was mighty. And I looked up that word mighty, and it's this really, really old, old Hebrew word, shereel. And it means a powerful force. This guy was a powerful force. He had a reputation. He was a dangerous man. He was a leader. But he had leprosy. Naaman was not Jewish. Uh, He was Syrian. In Jewish culture, it was required for lepers who entered the public arena uh, arena to identify themselves. You kind of had to let people know you're there so that they didn't get close to you and they didn't try to touch you or anything like that. And they, they required them. It was pretty humiliating. You had to shave your head. You had to shave your beard. You know, you're kind of out of step, so everybody noticed you. Um, you wore these raggedy, torn clothes. It, it just All of this was a part of just identifying yourself so that you could warn people in the street, hey, you know, I'm not... I'm not in good condition, and you don't want to touch me. You don't want to get it close to me. Uh, It was even required by law that as they walked around and they would come into a village, uh, that they would walk up and start start calling out so that people within, you know, a close vicinity would kind of get, in case they, they missed the visual clues, they could hear this alarm going off, and they would say, unclean. They were declaring themselves Unclean. I'm unclean. Everybody step back. It's me. I'm like, how would you like to live your life like that? I mean, just to live in that shame and that humiliation every day. Maybe there's all these other great things about you and you've got all this giftedness and this skill set and you've got this beautiful heart, but you've got this one barrier that's keeping you from being able to express that and to live in that. So everybody's keeping their safe distance. Everybody's standing back. Can you imagine doing that today with whatever your obstacle is? Can you imagine how it would be uh, when people approached you and, you know, and you're, you're in relationships, but you had to warn them with words? I'm bitter. I'm really, I'm really a mean person. Mean person. Mean. I'm, I'm jealous. I'm vindictive. What if you just had to walk into a party and go, vindictive, vindictive, don't tell me because I'm going to use it against you and I'm probably going to, I'm going to, twi- I'm going to put something really nasty on Facebook about you. And so, you know, what if you had to do that? Greedy, greedy, dishonest. Yeah, tell me, but you know what? I just, I, I, everything's good except I just lie. I'm just going to tell lies about you. Uh, you know, you probably wouldn't have a lot of friends. I'm selfish, selfish person coming in, you know. And on and on and on. Could you just imagine how humiliating that would be just to put all your junk out there verbally? You get a little feeling, right? This is where this guy was. Now, Naaman is an effective soldier. But now he's facing an enemy that he can't defeat. And there's this one thing that's enough to bring him down. More importantly, it's this one thing... However, that would be used to get him pointed back in the right direction. So that's the good thing, uh, that sometimes God will bring something in your life that's unpleasant and that you don't like, and you think, I can't defeat this, I don't know how to get past this. It could be the very thing that God might use, not only in that one area of your life to bring healing, but it would be this catalyst 
It would be this thing that's bigger because as it unfolds, it extends healing into the other areas of your life. You see how it works in a negative way for Naaman is that it's not just the discomfort and ah, this is driving me crazy, I hate being sick like this. And I hate. No, it, it, it affected all of his life and it just spread out into every area of his life. It touched everything. But in the same way, his healing would do that. And if you would embrace the healing that God has in one area, you may be so surprised how that begins to affect everything else. That's what we're going to see happens uh, for this guy. This is one thing that, that Naaman did right. Before the leprosy just ruined him, he sought help. And I don't know if that was in a defining moment or if he just always knew that as he moved forward. You know what? I've tried. I've tried the medicines and the salves and I've done this and I've tried to deny it and I've done a special diet. And, I, and maybe he just came to the place where he said, I can't. I, this is not working. Nothing's working for me. I've got to get some help. Somebody's got to walk with me through this because I'm not going to be able to do this alone. Maybe... You're facing an obstacle. And it hasn't ruined you yet, but you know that it has the potential to. Maybe it's a sin that's defeated you before again and again, where it's just become this besetting thing, and you've just allowed it to, to take root and just just make room for it in your life and think, you know, uh, it's just there and I'm really good in all these other ways. You see, that's the deceptive part about uh, a sinful habit is that we'll, we'll kind of just think, you know what, it's just this one thing. And I don't do this, I don't do that, I do this, I do that. I'm just kind of allowing this one thing. That one thing could have the potential just to ruin your whole life. It could be a problem, it could be a situation that you're trapped in. But it hasn't gotten as bad as it could get. Now is the time to confront it. You've put it off. You've thought about it. Maybe you've made some attempts. And you just came to worship today, right? We really enjoyed you students. You guys are awesome. And you thought, well, I enjoyed that. And maybe we'll go get something to eat. And then the trunk or treats tonight. And that's going to be a lot of fun. You think, God, don't interrupt my day by, by bringing this up again. Because it's so easy for me to keep it over to the side or keep it down here. Or to think, ah, you know what, I'm going to get to that. It's, it's really not there. It's not at a crisis right now. So I can sort of live with it. And that's where I'm pushing back this morning. Is to get you to the place. I'm just urging you, don't live with it anymore. Now is the time before it's a crisis, before it ruins your life, before it just devastates and destroys and and ruins everything. Because the longer you avoid it, the worse it gets, the bigger it's going to become. You're just, you're, you're kidding yourself. So not tomorrow, not next week, not, you know, I've got a lot going on right now, so I really can't think about this. No, I... Today, today is the day to begin taking the steps that Naaman took to break down those barriers that stand between you and the life that God has in store for you. 
You see, already, here's the thing. If you take these steps today and you begin to move forward, as you experience healing and as these good things begin to happen, uh, the next thing you're going to start thinking is, ah, why did not do this before? I wish I had put off this, I put this off too long already. So if you continue to put it off, that's just going to get bigger and it's going to get darker. I know I'm putting a lot of time into that and just, just trying to like convince you. And I feel like as I'm hearing my own voice, like I'm almost pleading, please, please don't. Because we all have. And how did that work for you the last time you put it off? You know, it's eventually going to erupt, right? It's, 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 it's going to fall apart. Okay. Let's read the rest of Naaman's story. And then we'll look at what you can begin to do to start uh, punching away. You know, to start chipping and working and seeing what God's going to do to get these barriers off you. Get this burden off and this, these, these obstacles to be able to break through those walls. It's in Second. Uh, Kings chapter 5, I'm going to read from the 2nd to the 14th verse. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who's in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and he said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? And this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he's seeking a quarrel with me. He's picking a fight. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he said to the king, saying, He sent to the king, saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry. And he went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and just be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, uh, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? Try it. What's the harm? What's it going to hurt? 
Just do it. So he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. The story continues to unfold, but um, this is this is just this this beautiful moment, and that kind of captures the healing. So there are a few things here. Uh, this this process, the way this this goes, that we can learn from Naaman's healing and how to destroy obstacles in our life. So this is where it gets really practical, and I don't want it to stay in this room. I hope it doesn't. I hope you think through. Okay, how can I make this real in my life? How can I just Put these steps into action. So at the end of this message, I'm just going to remind you, ask you a couple of questions and say, okay, what does this look like for you and what are you going to do next? What's going to be your action point in your personal life? Okay? So one of the first steps, I think, is that Naaman gave others permission to speak into his life. He's a commander. He's powerful. Uh, he is a warrior. I mean, he can be violent. We've, we've seen when he didn't get the advice he wanted, he went into a rage. I'm sure people around him, can you imagine his wife is probably like, uh, don't make him mad because, you know, just don't say anything like that. But he was wise enough to do this one thing. And some of you aren't there yet. You know, he's like, no, I got this. Or maybe I'll Google it, or maybe I'll read a book about it or whatever, but I'm not going to actually talk to real life people. Give others permission to speak into your life. I noticed a couple of times in this story that Naaman, Naaman was able to do the right thing because he knew to listen. Even though he's an expert about a lot of stuff, he's a smart guy, he's got a lot going on for him, this was an area, this was this place where he said, you know what, that's not my, I'm not doing so good there, and I don't know what to do. I've tried all these remedies, uh, you know, I did everything, I, I don't know what to do next. So if you're in that place, it's okay to admit that. So he listened, and I want you to see, check out who he listened to. A slave girl living in his household, and then these army officers who served under him. So his subordinates are the people he listened to. You see, my tendency is like, uh, let me find somebody that outranks me, somebody that's older and wiser and I can respect, somebody that's got it all together. And every now and then, God brings people into your life that you wouldn't expect. Sometimes he brings people younger than you, not as you know, wealthy or even as smart as you or as we think we are. You know, he just brings these people in. Be ready to listen. And sometimes, even if it's from an unexpected source. Now, Amon is beginning to understand this biblical principle. Sometimes help comes from unexpected places. That's been true in my life so many times. And if you're not willing to listen to others, you're going to miss out on so much in your life. And there's so many opportunities and so many moments of healing that are not going to happen for you. Naaman could have said, what wisdom does this slave girl have? It was a common practice back then, and it's probably been pretty common all throughout history, 
you know, you invade a country and, you know, there's a big war, so there's a lot of bloodshed, and then there's these people left over, and you think, okay, we're going to take you back with us, and you're just going to serve us, you're going to be slaves to us. Um, and sometimes that was, uh, you know, really barbaric, and they were treated ruthlessly. And then sometimes those cultures, you would just become almost like part of the household, and they would, you know, and this girl, somehow she felt the boldness, even as a slave girl, just to, you know, she just piped up like, hey, I wish we were back home in Samaria. You wouldn't believe what's going on back there. And she's just talking like that. So she's not scared, you know. She's just like, yeah, I know they've got prophets. It's crazy the things they can do with the power of God. Too bad you don't know about that. He's like, what? Tell me. He, and he leans into that and he's listening to that. He doesn't think, what does she know about leprosy? What does she know? What does she have that I don't have? Uh, how can she tell me how to be healed? I mean, he could have taken that position. And we've done that, right? What do you know about it? You don't know anything. You know? And you just kind of immediately kind of take that track and dig in and get kind of stubborn. His heart was real open. You know why? Because this guy really, really wants to be healed. You ever wanted to be healed or something to be fixed so much that you... You do all the orthodox things, and then you start trying kind of crazy stuff. I'm not going to talk about that because you may be doing crazy stuff right now. And you come after, up after and say, hey, that's not crazy. That really works. You know, and I know you read it on the Internet or whatever, but uh, you just try. You just get to that place. He's at that place. You know what? He had heard about the Israelites. He had heard some of these stories and how they had served this powerful, miracle-working God. He had heard that living in the land where you know, these prophets were and that God had bestowed power and blessing on them. And when his slave suggested, you ought to go see one of those guys and just talk to him. Has somebody ever tried to talk to you into something? You should go see I know this person, and you think, well, ordinarily I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go to somebody like that. Or t- but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. So that's where he is. And he thinks, you know what? Maybe she's right. What have I got to lose? Maybe, maybe she knows what she's talking about. So he begins making plans, and the king blesses him and gives him provisions and gives him gifts. You know, he, he backs this. He's the producer. He's the, you know, the, the finances behind it. He puts it all together, and he has this plan that will ultimately take him all the way to the prophet Elisha, who is an amazing guy. Later in the story, when Naaman overreacts, you ever done that? He gets really mad because, I mean, he gets this far. He buys in. He goes, okay, you know what? I'm willing to try anything. And so he goes, and then Elisha comes. And, but he gets so mad because Elisha's not doing it the way he wanted him to do it, the way he thought this should play out. He goes, you know what? I, I just I don't like that. So he, he, just, he goes into this fit about that. And... Uh, it doesn't work so well for him, and that's usually what happens when we kind of act out of uh, our emotion. But at that moment, when he's about to make a bad decision and go, you know what? This is cra- I'm not doing. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That's embarrassing, and I'm, I'm embarrassed enough as it is by my condition. He's just making a fool of me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. But some of his men who served under him, and you know how risky that would have been for them. 
You know, it's like you going to one of your professors and going, hey, I got to tell you, you know, <laughs> or, you know, your boss. Or, we all know that feeling. Some of you go to your parents, you go to your dad and go, dad, I know you're the dad and I know you're like, oh, powerful. However, I mean, just feel, can you just feel that? So these guys, they, they work up their courage and go, hey, nay, um, why don't you do it? I mean, it's not that big a deal. Uh, and they reasoned with him, and they, they, they talk him into it. And Naaman changes his attitude. Why? Why? Because he had given other people permission to speak into his life. When you just make that one decision, you're going to set some things in, into action uh, that are going to play out in all kinds of ways. But you can't hold back and say, yeah, I'm going to do it, and now I'm going to be the judge. Now I'm going to kind of decide as I go along. No, just oh, say, you know what? I'm going to listen to people. I'm going to open my life and my heart and my mind to the fact that you may know something I don't know. Or you may have insight in this moment. Or there could be something I'm missing because I'm so emotionally involved in this. You ever had to tell a friend something you knew they didn't want to hear? You know, you ever had that, and you think, well, you got to tell I'm not going to tell You tell them. I'm not going to tell Okay, all right, I'm going to tell them. That's this moment. So they say, Naaman, just do it. Because he had given people permission to speak into his life, he listened. Andrew Carnegie was an, an, an amazingly influential person in our American history, and he said this, it marks a big step in a man's development when he comes to realize that other men can be called in to help him do a better job than he can do alone. Ken Blanchard, some of you recognize, he wrote The One Minute Manager and some other uh, business leadership books. He put it this way, none of us is as smart as all of us. None of us is as smart as all of us. Have you ever known somebody that's in a difficult situation and what they needed to do was so obvious to you. And you just saw it, and, but you felt awkward, and you thought, oh, you need to ask her to marry you. You need to break up with him. You need to do this. You need to don't do that. You know, and, and there's, life's full of those kind of moments, and you see that, and you're not sure if I should say anything. Well, I didn't want to say anything. Well... Well, you know, he was, and you just had to, there's times you got to speak up. And it works a lot better if you're invited or you feel permission to, to do that. But we've all been there, right? Where you could see something that was so obvious to you, and they just couldn't see it. They didn't get it, or they wouldn't get it. You ever known somebody like that? Well, you need to know you're that way, too. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'd love to save you from a lot of heartache and pain. You're that guy. You're that gal. Sometimes you're just too close to it, or you're too emotionally involved in a situation to have a real proper perspective. You don't always see what you need to see. Have you ever gone through a situation, and then later you look back and you say something like, what was I thinking? 
How in the world did I not see that? And all your friends go, we don't know, because we all saw it. You know? So you could be there. You could be there. Others, viewing from a distance or who are detached, they don't have an agenda. They're not emotionally, you know, they're like, you know what? It looks like you ought to do this to me. Before you discount that and reject it, give it a listen. Because they may see something you don't see. So if you have the courage and the wisdom and the humility to recognize that others sometimes have more insight even than you do, and you give them permission, this is going to give you leverage on your problems. It doesn't mean that the next voice you hear is necessarily that everybody's always going to be right. You have to weigh that and you have to evaluate that. But we all need some inside help. That's why Solomon said this in Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for a lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. That's really good information. So do you have barriers in your life? Start listening to the people around you. You're going to be amazed at what they identify. Here's another idea. Be willing to knock on more than just one door. Be willing to make more than one phone call. Be willing to talk to maybe even more than just one person. Be open to that. Now, Amon told his king about this prophet. He said, you know, I I think he can heal me. I think there's something to this. So the king encourages him to go. Um, He gives him all the papers. He gets his visa, his passport's up to date, all of that. So he goes to the king because that just kind of makes sense, right? I'm just going to go straight. I went from my king. I'm going to go to this this king and kind of work it from there. And uh, he wasn't well received. The king's really paranoid, the king of Israel. He thinks this is a big trick. They're trying to get in. They're trying to create some kind of an international incident so that the next thing they've got an excuse. They've got a reason to go to war with us or to be mad at us. And I'm kind of getting set up here. So I I don't want to have any part to do with this. Now, Naaman could have said, you know what? That didn't work. I tried it. I'm going back home. And he could have gotten home. And the king said, what are you doing back? And look, you still have leprosy. He said, yeah, I went to the king, and he didn't receive me very well, and that didn't go good, so I'm, I'm back. But he didn't. He kept pushing through. And sometimes you're going to have to be a little more persistent. Don't give up so easy. Don't quit so fast. Don't use that you tr- well, I tried as an excuse to not do what you know you need to keep doing and keep moving in the right direction. Just because the king of Israel, he doesn't see the possibilities, he doesn't see what's going on in this opportunity, um, you know, he didn't think about it in the way he could have thought about it, like, wow, this is a really great moment, because if this turns out good, this could bring a really good, fresh, new start to our relationship. And maybe they'll see, hey, we don't want to fight with you guys. We would like to have, we would like something good to happen. And we, we healed one of your top commanders. That could go a long way. He should have seen it like that, but he didn't because he's scared. And when you're scared, you don't do smart things. That's why you need to listen to other people because they're not scared. And you're so scared. This is going to, that's going to, and you know, you're not going to make a great choice. So he knocks on the wrong door 
uh, which is the king of Israel. That's not the right place. He didn't get the answers there. Um, I'm sure Naaman saw it as a closed door. But you know what? He's willing to keep knocking. Okay, then I'll try the next number on my list. I'll go to the next place. And I love Elijah's answer to the king. You know, he responds. He's just so, you kind of get the feeling like you'd really like this guy. In verse 8, he goes, why are you so upset? What's the big deal? Send Naaman to me. And he'll learn there's a prophet in Israel. And it sounds kind of braggy, doesn't it? Send him to me. I'll show him a prophet. You want a prophet? I got your prophet right here. I mean, he kind of comes across like that. He's got a little swagger. And I don't think he's being arrogant. I think he's just really confident. I think he knows where the power's from. And I think he's got this just rock-solid faith in God. And he didn't want to miss this opportunity to see God uh, do something in this guy's life. So he says, send him over here. Let me, let me talk to him. And Elijah says that he may know. And this word, no, is, is, is an ancient word. It's a really, really old Hebrew word, yada. And yada, I can't say it correctly, but uh, the idea behind it is to know something because you've ascertained it on a, in a personal way. It's not like, yeah, I, I heard about that movie. I heard it was really good. I haven't seen it myself. Yeah, that book, yeah, I hadn't read it, but I heard it was really good. No, it's when you've read the book and you say, yeah, it's good. I read it. It's when you saw the movie and say, yeah, I saw the movie. It's when you've lived through something, when you know it for yourself because you've personally experienced it. That's what this word is. And he says, you need to experience, you don't just need to hear your slave girl talk about it. You don't need to hear the stories of people traveling through. Naaman, you need to live this. You need to absorb, you need to be in this and see it for yourself. Because that's what really convinces us. She says, you need to, you need to do that. If you want to break through the barriers in your life, you need to invite the help of other people. And that means you're going to have to probably knock on more than just one door before you find the door that you're looking for. Sometimes you encounter those who says, this is not my problem. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. And you just give up. Some of you have given up on relationships because you didn't have such a great relationship with maybe your parents or your boss. Or maybe you had a girlfriend and she broke your heart. And you had another one and you broke your heart. And you thought, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm just not going to do that anymore. Wait, before you pull the trigger and before you make these big decisions out of your woundedness or out of your fear, knock on another door. Don't stop yet. Make one more phone call. If you uh, had a bad experience with a pastor or a church, and thinking, "Well, I'm just done with church. I'm not going to church anymore." And uh, you know, I love I love Jesus. I just don't really like Christians. Don't, don't judge everything that's going to happen in your future by something unfortunate that took place in your past. Not all men are brutes. Not all women are bad. You know. Uh, and I feel like some of us get to those places where you just give up too quickly on bigger things. Knock on another door. Maybe you didn't get great advice. Well, that's okay. Just keep going forward. But he knocks on the door and he, and he gets Elijah. And you've got to keep knocking on doors until you get to your Elijah. If you had a counselor that didn't help you so much and you think, well, counseling doesn't work, maybe it was just a relationship with that counselor. You need to, you need to call another one. Keep going until you get an Elijah. 
If you're going to break down the barriers that exist between you and the life that God had for you, you're going to have to give permission to people to speak in your life because they have perspective that you don't have. And you're going to have to keep knocking on doors until you get to Elijah. That's when you're going to connect with the power of God. You're going to say, oh, this is a fit. This really works. One other idea, and then, and then we're, we're done. Once you've done that and you get this information, expect to act. <coughs> expect the fact that I'm going to have to be responsible. I'm going to be you know, put in this place where I've got to do something. What are you going to do? Well, now we've told you this. What are you going to do? Well, I don't want to do anything. I just want to receive, you know? And I'm that way with the Lord sometimes. God, just bless me. Just kind of like a spiritual shower. Yeah, I don't want to, yeah, I'm not going to do anything. And it, just, it never works like that in my life. Expect to do something and not just to receive. When Naaman went to Elisha, uh, he didn't even come out and meet with him personally. I mean, that was, he's just so distant. He's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to send a messenger. Who are you? I'm the messenger. Where's Elijah? Yeah, he's, he's got something going on. He's busy right now. I mean, you know, it's just like this whole thing is so humiliating, this whole thing. And he wants you to go wash in the River Jordan seven times. I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do that. I mean, everybody's watching, and they see me. I'm a commander. I'm not even from your country. I'm Syrian. I'm not Israeli. And ah, don't make me, why do I have to do all this? And I'm, I'm a leper, and on the way down there, I've got to call out unclean, unclean in front of everybody. This is just too, this is too much. He says, well, you know what? Here's a promise. If you'll do it, your skin will be restored, and you're going to be healed, and you're going to be brand new. Isn't it worth the risk to do that? So before you say no, before you think, you know, your counselor says we need to do this, or your doctor says you need to do this, or your wife tells you you need to do this, you go, no, no, I'm not, nope, I'm not doing that. Pause. Hesitate for a minute. Because what happened with this guy is his ego got involved. Okay, he's, he's thinking through pride and all of that now. In verse 11, it says he became angry and he just stalked away and he said, I thought at least he'd come out and talk to me. And he didn't, didn't even do that. And then he starts complaining about the river. Or isn't the Abana River and the Far Far River, aren't these better? Look at that old I'm not getting in their river. We've got our river. I mean, you know, he's, just, he's working all these issues into it and throwing up all these reasons and excuses. And they're like, just stop it. Just stop it. Just do it. It's crazy, but it's classic because I have been this guy. I've done that so many times, and so have you. He's on the verge of something spectacular, and he's throwing up all these little reasons. And here's his chance to be healed of a disease that is destroying his life. Naaman wanted just to receive and not have to do anything. Sometimes, sometimes that might happen, but typically there's going to be obedience, there's going to be follow-through, there's going to be something that's required of you to step up, and, and that's, that's where we break through. That's where it becomes real. There's a part of me that wishes a lot that God would just, you know, like wave his wand over my life and ta-da, everything's okay. But, you know, it doesn't seem to work that way. There have been times and I've seen stuff that's just like, ah, how in the world? You know, the check, I just went out to the mailbox and there's a check. 
it just came. And I don't even know why or where it came from. But a lot of times I go to my checking account and there's not a miraculous big lump sum of money that just appeared there overnight. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, you need to sell this, you need to do that, you need to do that. Oh, Lord, that's not any fun. That's not what I expect you to do. He goes, yeah, well, here's how we're going to get out of this. God does the same thing to each of us. He may say, there are steps you're going to have to take. Sometimes, boom, it just happens. And it just happens. Other times, he's like, today we're going to do this. And tomorrow we're going to do that. And we're just going to be step by step. Will you obey me? Will you follow through? Will you, will you stay with me? Well, first he objects, but then he does it. And it says he, in verse 14, he went down to the River Jordan. He dipped himself, which means he plunged himself. He washed. He went all the way under and waited and came back up. Kind of like a baptism. He did it seven times, which is this completion thing. And, uh, and his flesh became as healthy as a young child's, and he is healed. Can you imagine how that felt for the very first time? He's healed, and he looks at his own skin, and he's just... He's over. He can just barely believe it. Because he was willing, you know, to give people permission and to listen and to follow through and to take the steps, seven steps, and to do that and not just try to receive. So here's where we are. Are you willing to put this into action in whatever way is going to make sense for you and bring healing and get you past your obstacle. Here's some questions. You may want to write these down. You may just want to remember them. Um, But whatever you do next, I hope it makes a difference. Will you let others speak into your life? Are you humble enough to hear what somebody else has to say? Are you willing to make more than one phone call, to knock on more than one door? Are you willing, even though you're going to be misunderstood and some people are going to judge you, yeah, that's going to happen, and you're going to be even more humiliated before the process is over, and you know, some people are going to say, well, there's no help for you, and you can't be, you're going to hear all that. Are you willing just to keep going in spite of it? Are you willing to, to take the steps that are necessary to see it through, to take responsibility for your actions? Are you willing to do that? Then here's what I want you to do. It starts with listening to somebody else. And you don't have to listen to everybody in your life and everybody that's got an opinion because there's going to be a lot of those folks. You can be purposeful and think of who is trustworthy. Who do I know that I have confidence in, who is discreet, who I believe in, who I know loves me and has my best interest at heart? Who am I going to talk to about this first? You can choose. So here's what I want you to do. Would you stand with me, please? And I want you to take out your smartphone if you have one with you. I want you to think, we're going to sing together and wrap up, and um, I want you to think of who it is that you trust, that you could share this with. Say, listen, I'm going to talk to you. I got this obstacle, I got this problem, 
Can I buy you coffee? Can I take you to lunch one day? Can we meet? While we're singing this song, I want you to go ahead and send them a text right now. They're in your contacts. Don't wait until this is done. Don't wait until we're out of here. Go ahead right now and say, Hey, I know this is crazy. I'm in church, but i got something on my mind, and I really need somebody to talk to. Can I, can I get with you on Wednesday? Hey, tomorrow, are you doing anything tomorrow afternoon? Go ahead and text that person right now. If you don't have a smartphone, I don't know what planet you're from. If you still have a flip phone, does that work? I, Then just call them when you leave here. Go ahead now and on your bulletin, your handout, just write their name. And just that's just kind of like a a commitment. This is this is where I'm gonna start. And that person says, I'm not in town. I left town for three months. Oh well, I tried to do what you said, Dan. Then text the next person, knock on the next door. And be willing, even if it comes from an unexpected place. Your mother may say something to you this week that's one of the most brilliant, wise things in the world. And you're going to try to reject it because it's your mama. And what does she know, right? It could be the best thing in the world to minister and to bless you and to get you past an obstacle. Will you do that? Let's take the next step and let's make this real. Because I want us to be healed and whole. Jesus' name.